0: We felt bad about making so many of y'all cry last week with the video, try to find something a little funnier. Some of y'all are not laughing, though. (laughs) Well, we are uh, continuing on in this season of Lent where we are preparing our hearts and and lives for the celebration of of Easter, and it's always a joyful thing, and uh, we have such a great opportunity in this time to reconnect with God or to grow our faith in some amazing ways. And Over the last couple weeks, we've looked at some of Jesus' teachings where he speaks directly to people's hearts, to the core of their being, to the the center of their existence, and gives them lessons that help them grow in their faith and um, ask some hard questions. And I think some of these teachings that we've covered the last couple weeks are are some of Jesus' most difficult and most challenging, and and, uh, he doesn't let up today, Uh, but it is one of the most important. Uh, stories that we have within our scriptures. And if you have your Bibles, I just invite you to open them up to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to look at the story of the rich young ruler. And it is in uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, that we'll begin. It says, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except for one God. You know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Then the ruler said, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one more thing, sell everything you own and distribute the money to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When he heard these words, the man said, uh, was, went away sad because he, had, he was extremely rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, It's very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Those who heard this said, Then who can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible for humans is possible for God. Peter said, Look, we left everything we own and followed you. And Jesus said to them, I assure you that anyone who has left house or husband or wife or brothers Sisters or parents or children because of God's kingdom we will see many times more in this age and eternal life in the coming age. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Well, so it is a, a story that you're probably familiar with, and even if you're not, uh, you certainly can relate to what's going on, because um, if you are living, if you have a breath, if you have a pulse, uh, then you are faced with decisions like this. Each and every day, whether you recognize them as being the same thing or not, uh, they come across our life, and we have to make decisions about this each and every day, each and every moment. And in this particular case, it seems like a really large decision. We have somebody who is a a young ruler, uh, somebody who is wealthy, who comes before Jesus and he asks a question that you and I ask all the time what must we do to gain eternal life? What is it that we have to do to be sure that our lives are going to be full, that they're going to be rich, that they're going to be abundant, uh, that they're going to have meaning, that they're going to have purpose, and that they will continue, right? What, What do we have to do in order to accomplish that? And usually we have answers for it. You know, we need to uh, go through life on the track that makes sense to us. We need to get a career, have a good family, live our lives in a way that is enjoyable. You know, we think to ourselves, we have all the answers. And um, we even find that this rich young ruler is, is doing things right religiously, that he's keeping the commandments. He hadn't committed adultery, he hadn't killed anybody. He's kept the law uh, each step of the way. And yet, there's something in his heart that says, I don't have everything that I'm supposed to, which could be a place that many people get, into, get to in life. Uh, at one point, my, my ministry, I served in a suburban community on northwest Houston, and um, the people that were moving into the neighborhood, it was like I could almost tell the story for them. Like, they were people who had gone to college, and they're always kind of a little sheepish about it. They were like, we used to go to church growing up, and then we go to college, and they kind of look at me a little sheepish, I was like, you had fun? And they go, yeah, we had fun. And they were like, and now we have kids, and now we're coming back to church, and uh, things are going well with our career, and, um, and we don't know what's next. You know, they're asking that question of, what does life look like now? What do I have to do in order to gain eternal life and have a life that's abundant? And um, all throughout my ministry, it's a question that people ask, no matter what stage in life they are or no matter what financial situation they are, students in high school are asking the same questions of, what do I have to do in order to make sure my life goes well from here? And so Jesus goes through the list with him. He says, well, you know, obviously, you're young, you've got money, and you're following the commandments. Well, there's just one more thing. And of course, it's devastating to the young person. It says, Jesus said to him, there's one more thing, sell everything you own, and distribute the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When he heard these words, the man became sad because he was extremely rich. And so, it, like I said, it's, it's tough on this guy. And many of us, if we were just talking to them, we would say, hey, no big deal. You know, you got to do what's right for you. you got to do what makes sense for you. You're wealthy. You have it all. You're living a life that's, you know, appreciated by many. Why, why would you mess these things up? right? Surely you'll have other opportunities, you'll do a lot of good in your life, and um, none of us would be at a place where we would say, well, that didn't make a lot of sense. Rather, um, what happens is that all of a sudden he goes away sad, and Jesus watches this, and he gives them an instruction, he gives them a lesson. He says, it's very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And it's probably a story that you're familiar with, and over the years there's been a number of interpretations that Jesus was talking about a gate in Jerusalem, or that Jesus had a way in which he could, you know, sneak a camel through the eye of a needle, and, and it just doesn't make, make any sense, does it? Jesus is just pointing out and he's saying, it is impossible, you know, it's, it's very hard, very, very hard. I mean, outside of what? Liquefying the camel, right? I'm sorry. Um, that... That, that is what he's pointing out. He says, it's, it's such a difficulty. Why? Because there's really not a, a rival God other than money that continues to pull and draw at people's hearts the way that it does. You know, Jesus knew good and well how money would trap us, how it would keep us, how it would keep us from doing things that God wanted us to do. And so he names it. He says, that, that's always a tough one. Money, financial wealth, security... That's the, the rival God of our hearts. And so the disciples, however, um, and he says, the disciples says, those who have heard this, then who can be saved? Jesus replies, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. We'll come back to that. And Peter said, look, we left everything we own and followed you. And Jesus said to them, I assure you that anyone who has left house, husband, wife, brother, sisters, parents, or children because of God's kingdom will receive many times more in this age and eternal life in the coming age. And so it's a, it's a powerful story, and like I said, it's, it's such an important one because we face decisions like this all the time. Now, for whatever reason, the one story I remember vividly from a literature class that I took is a poem by T.S. Eliot. And in the poem, it's a story of J. Alfred Prufrock. I don't know if that's what's stuck in my head. Is this the strange name? Uh, but it's, a, it's the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And in the poem, it's a first-person poem, and he's talking about his life. And he was saying how throughout his years, you know, he had seen uh, people come and go. He had seen the life that was out there, and yet he had never risked. He had never made a difficult choice where he risked something. You know, he laments. He said, you know, I never asked the pretty girls to dance. I never invested in the companies that my friends invested in. I never took the opportunities and the the choices that were before me because it just, it just seemed so dangerous. And he laments and he says, you know, maybe tonight, maybe the stars will align, maybe things will get better. And I'll, I'll make that one decision that will suddenly change my future. And he says, dare I risk it? Dare I risk messing up the equilibrium of my life? And I'm sure I'm slaughtering the quotation of the poem. If you're a big T.S. Eliot fan, I'll apologize to you later. But that was the the essence of it. He was just somebody that that never made those decisions, those hard ones. Instead, he played it safe. He did the easy thing. And Jesus puts that same decision in front of this young ruler, and he says, if you really want to know God, if that's of great value to you, if it's of ultimate worth to you, then give up all that you have and come follow me. And the amazing thing that I I looked at in the details this week, I said, you know, it's so cool that Jesus says, go and sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Isn't it it just wonderful that he doesn't say, go sell everything you own and then bring that money to me? (laughs) I mean, that's what you would expect, right? Bring me that cash. And instead, Jesus says, no, give it to the poor. Come follow me. And that alone might have changed my heart that day, right? I mean, what is he getting out of it other than leading me toward God? But we face those decisions each and every day. And I don't know about you, but the most amazing stories that I've ever read or that I've ever heard are the ones in which the person in the story makes that decision to give up everything and go follow God. They really are. I mean... Can you imagine a more boring story than the, the rest of the life of this rich young ruler? I mean, sure, he may have changed, but just kind of follow the timeline of how things go for him. He gets wealthier, he gets richer, he becomes more powerful, he lives a comfortable life. Maybe he plays more whatever the version of golf is in his day, right? I mean, I just to me, that just sounds like, oh, what a waste of a life. And instead of that making that decision to follow Christ he just stays there what's comfortable the most amazing ones however are the ones where they they make a different decision in the book of Genesis around chapter 12 we get the story of Abraham and if you remember the words God speaks to Abraham and he says leave your household the household of your father Leave his servants leave what's comfortable leave what you're used to and um, come follow me and Abraham probably had a a good life. I mean, it even it's a more amazing story when you read the scriptures and it says, how old was Abraham? He was as good as dead. That was the description they gave. Good as dead. And, and God speaks to him and he says, "And I, I will make you the father of countless generations. Your, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the sand on the shore. And God says, well, this sounds like an awesome plan, but realized I'm old and my wife is barren I don't see how this is all going to work out, and yet they follow God. Or the story of Moses, you know, God speaks to Moses, and Moses says, well, hey, I'm a poor public speaker. I killed somebody back in Egypt. Um, you know, uh, I really don't want to get involved in all this. And yet he, he follows God. And when it all comes down to it, the, the question that I think we, we have to ask is, and to say is that when this rich young ruler gets before Jesus, it's not about money. It really isn't. It's about where his heart is. It's about this rich young man deciding and saying, I really want to see where it is that Jesus could take me. I really want to know how far God might lead me in my life. I want to see the heights and the depths of where God might take me. Instead of saying, "I want to do what's comfortable, what I'm used to, what's routine," have you met people that have done that? I've had the pleasure of meeting a few. Uh, one of my all-time favorites um, was a, a guy in one of my churches. He, he called me up and he said, "Hey, I need to have lunch with you sometime," and um, thought nothing of it. and one of the weirder things that happens to pastors is they get invited to lunch because people are about to make a really important decision, and they imagine that somehow you have all the magical answers. And I was put on a spot that day where he said, you know you know, my career, I've got a, I've got a great career with the banking industry, we have a great house, family's doing well, kids are doing good, um, and I really feel, however, there's, there's more to this that God wants me to do. And he said, "Um, and the reason I invited you to lunch is because I need you to tell me that this is what I need to do with my life. I need you to tell me that I need to quit my job and go into youth ministry. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, I know your wife. Do you know what she's going to say when you tell her that you're about to give up your income in order to go into youth ministry? Do you know how little youth ministers make? And um, he looked back at me and he said, so you don't have an answer? I said, I think I have an answer. If you're at a place where you're willing to even ask this question, then you've got to find out what it means. And he went on to be a fantastic youth minister and to follow God. Changed thousands of lives. All because he didn't say, I'm going to do what's comfortable, what's easy, and what's routine. And I can tell you about doctors that gave up their practices to go and be missionaries, and I can tell you all sorts of stories, but at the end of the day, the the one question that I just want to put in front of you is where is it that that God might be leading you? And Jesus has broken away the barriers throughout this particular part of Luke. He said, you know, don't think to yourself that your religion is going to be enough Don't think to yourself that money is going to be enough. If you want eternal life, then you need to follow me and be willing to leave everything else behind. And everybody jumps to the conclusion of, well, Rick's saying that we all ought to quit our jobs, sell everything, have a big garage sale, and move ourselves to Africa. No. It may be that God wants you exactly where you are right now. The real question is this: where is your heart? Are you in love with God? Do you enjoy the fact that God disrupts your life from time to time? That God puts you in places that are uncomfortable for you? Do you, you rejoice in the fact that there are times where things don't go as planned, and yet because God is with you, things are okay? I uh, have a good buddy of mine and. I couldn't help but thinking of him this week. Um, he always kidded me that every time I moved to a new church, he was going to show up uh, with one of those John 3.16 signs in the back and cheer me on, you know. And um, it wasn't John 3.16, though. He always said, I'm going I'm to put Habakkuk or some obscure Old, new, Old, Old Testament prophet in there for you. Um, and I thought of him this week because uh, there's a beautiful passage in Habakkuk 3, because y'all haven't read much of it lately, I'm sure. But listen to what he says. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, even when things have gone horribly bad, you know, the fig trees don't bud, the grapes aren't on the vines, the olive crop fails, there's no cattle in the stalls yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I mean, what if the, what if the rich young ruler had, had that mindset that day? He said, you know, even if it costs me my wealth and my status and my community, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. He says, I will be joyful in my Savior. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, even where it is. And then he goes on, he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet Like the feet of the deer, he enables me to tread on the heights. So there's your daily Habakkuk. So what about you today? When you think about your faith? I mean, there's such an easy way that we can go about the work of religion, of being part of a church, of having a comfortable place in our lives where we're here and God's, at least at our reach, Uh, Where we can say to ourselves, we're going to be fine because we have X amount of money in the bank or a certain future. And the place that Jesus places us today is that question of, will you follow me? Will you be my disciple? Will you come and see how good God is? Will you trust me beyond anything else in this world? Will you trust me beyond family and friendships and, and safety? Will you be my disciple? Let us pray. It is to you, O God, that we lift up our hearts and our lives. We are humbled and and blessed by the fact that even if this day we're struggling or we're hurting and um, we think that you ask too much of us, that you still love us you still believe that we are your children and that you call out to us. Speak into our lives this day as we are invited to the table. Remind us that it is not a matter of our worth or our value that determines this invitation, but rather it's by your grace that we can come to this table and receive the bread and the cup. Be with us this day and help us to search our hearts and lives and see the ways in which we can grow closer to you. In Christ's name we pray.